Yes, you have gifts and callings and you're amazing and you're wonderful, right? But the only way to get to trust Abba is to walk with him, not just to do stuff for him. You're listening to the Redefining Wealth podcast with Patrice Washington. This is a community that believes wholeheartedly in the original definition of wealth, which is the condition of well-being, not just money and material possessions, as you probably have come to understand it in this culture. So we subscribe to the idea that we chase purpose, not money. And each and every week, We talk about one of the six pillars of wealth, and we just start to unpack all of that. And today, I'm so excited to introduce you to Sean Strickland. This conversation is so good. Sean breaks down why faith works by love and discusses the idea that when we're afraid to move forward in our purpose, it's actually an invitation to go deeper in love. Mm. I can't wait for you to hear this. Before we jump in, though, let's do this week's Affirmation of the Week. You know, you got to speak positivity into your life, into your day. You got to affirm positivity. You got to affirm abundance. You got to affirm yourself to wealth. This week's affirmation is, I lead a people-driven life. I acknowledge that success comes from not just understanding my purpose here on earth, but being able to share it freely with others. Every person in my life has been placed here for a purpose. Not one person is here by accident or happenstance. I value relationships, good or bad, and I've learned something from them all. Because my net worth is determined by my network, I monitor my relationships with others closely. Time with those that drain me is minimized immediately. Those that add energy receive my undivided attention when we are in each other's presence. So declare today with me, I lead a people-driven life. Sean Strickland is a Christian wife, mother, pastor, business strategist, coach, and activist. A woman of many hats, Sean is passionate about seeing people, especially women, step into their God-given identity and live out their God-given dreams. She uses her prophetic insight to help people grow, become, and make the soul shift. They transform their minds and they break cycles so they can live and walk in freedom. A pastor, entrepreneur, and owner of Sean Strickland Enterprises, a coaching and speaking business. She's the author of several faith-based personal development books and workbooks, including Live Free, The Eight Steps to Creating Freedom in Every Area of Life, which we will talk about today. Without further ado, here's my girl, Sean Strickland. Hey, friend. How are you? Don't come on with that little uh, voice, that little hi, friend. We know. They don't know. They may not they know, don't yet, know but you. I know. They don't know, girl. Let me, let's warm them up softly. <laughs> <laughs> I said before we start recording, I said, I'm excited and scared. You don't have to be scared. We're just going to do what we do and it's going to be recorded. But that's why truly, you're scared. Right? That's, that's why I'm why scared. scared. 
because I I've heard what we do on FaceTime or behind the scenes, and I, I'm I'm nervous for the people. No, I'm delighted and I'm excited because you are such a fresh wind. You are my favorite person on Facebook. I oh, remember. No, and I'm so serious. I remember when I went through this phase of being harassed online and I did not want to get on Facebook for any reason. I wasn't doing lives anymore. I wasn't really showing up and posting much. I wasn't really playing on Facebook much. When I would come on, I would literally type your name in the search bar just to see what you were talking about because you always, you always gave me something. Either it was going to be a good laugh or... (laughs) you were going to get my spirit in check or I was going to be convicted. And it's so funny. Just recently, I saw that you posted that you would pray about what you were going to share on Facebook. It wasn't just, oh, I just wake up and say whatever. It felt like to me, like, oh, she always got a word in her spirit. But but you actually prayed about what you would post on Facebook? Well, like every day, because you would have to know that I didn't want to be on Facebook to begin with. Right. So like years ago, when the Lord was like, hey, I want you to get on Facebook so you can be light. I was like, why would you want to talk to a bunch of people you don't know? People think that probably I am social. I do talk a lot, but I also read a lot. Right. So to me, it was like, why would I want to give up my book time to come over here and talk to a bunch of people I don't know? And he gave me just a couple of simple instructions, one to ask him what to post. And in the beginning, he says, preach and don't tell them that you're preaching. Don't tell them the scripture. Let them ask, but just show up. And so because it wasn't my idea, I'd wake up every morning and say, "Okay, what do you want me to say? Right. Well, still to this day, I say, what do you want me to say? I mean, because my Facebook belongs to him. Now, I've gotten some joy out of it over these years, right? But ultimately, it belongs to him. So I'm still like, so when people say, oh, you knew exactly what to say. No, I didn't have a clue what to say. Holy Spirit knew what you needed to hear. Mm. Then that's it. It's the submission too, right? To God, whatever your will is, like whatever you want me to do, because I wasn't a social media person. That was not, that was the furthest thing from my mind. I remember when, when people were like, hey, you need to be on social media. I was like, I don't want to be posting my breakfast. Like, I don't want right. like, to, so I thought stupid. it was so weird. I was like, <laughs> why would I want to do that? And I'm not trying to find people from high school. I left them people behind. Like, that was my mindset. I had no clue that it would be the catalyst to so much connection. Like, I met you, I believe, through Facebook in the first place. and. Yes. The number of people that I've been connected to and the people I've been able to serve because of a platform like social media just blows my mind that for all the negative things people say about it, there's been such good in my life in particular that has come from it. Oh, I absolutely agree with that. I think I made a post, was it yesterday, where I just talked about, I talked about who would have known that God would use Facebook first. There are other things now, but Facebook first to give you, it really is you can have your own media empire. You can have, you can have a television station. You can have a newspaper station. You can have a blog, whatever it is you want, you can have it. And that literally I'm thinking yesterday, I was just tripping out over the people I've impacted, the people I've met and the doors that have been opened because I said a simple yes to getting on Facebook. It, it just absolutely blows my mind. 
It's so true. One of the things that you said recently on Facebook that really hit me was that people spend a lot of time talking about faith in the kingdom of God. And and yes, faith is important, but it only takes a mustard seed of faith to move a mountain. The truth is, as you say, most believers don't have a faith issue. They have a love issue. And you've been talking a lot recently about faith works by love. What does that mean? And why did you feel like this was a necessary conversation? So it was a necessary conversation because I pay attention to like the questions people keep asking me, right? And so people kept asking me like, what's wrong with my faith? Why doesn't my faith work, right? And so I started just thinking about, you know, I think sometimes like when you evolve in your journey, you can forget something. And so you kind of just think it's just kind of given, right? And you don't realize that everybody doesn't know that. Well, Galatians 5 and 6 actually tells us that last part of that verse, it says faith works by love, right? And God is love, right? And so I began to dig with people who would ask me the question, what's wrong with my faith? And I would ask them this simple question right here. When you're considering God and whether he can do something, is your issue with whether he can or whether he will? If your issue is with whether he can, you have a faith issue. If your issue is with whether he will, you have a love issue. And so that began to be a part of the conversation to realize that the reason that so many believers are struggling is not because they don't love God. It's not because they don't have faith. You only need a mustard seed. That's what Jesus said. He said, if you got a mustard seed of faith, you can move a whole mountain, right? What's missing? So many people have not personally experienced the love of God themselves. And that's the disconnect. Oh my gosh. So not experiencing the love of God yourself, does it mean that you haven't experienced it or you haven't accepted it as love? I think it depends on the person. Number one, why did you get saved to begin with? Did you get saved for fire insurance just to get out of hell? Did you get saved because you had finally hit rock bottom and dude had broke your heart for the fourth time and you didn't know if you were going to make it? Because that's going to how you come into the kingdom is going to determine how you receive the kingdom. And so for a lot of people, they're having to do rework that, yes, they've accepted Jesus, right? But why did you accept him? And do you realize, and I was saying to my husband the other day, it, it blows my mind and not in an insulting way, but just in a way that when something is illuminated to you, to me, it's like multiplication. You know, when we're trying to learn multiplication and you're like, how in the world am I ever going to know what four times four is, right? <laughs> and then when the illumination comes on, now any multiplication fact I give you, you give me, we could just roll it off. Why? Revelation. It became revelation knowledge, Right. So I was saying, here is what baffles me. We believe that God gave his only begotten son, brought him into the earth to redeem and restore us, allowed him to have 39 stripes on his back, to be crucified, to be pierced in the side, to be spit in his face, have a thorn of crowns on his head. And we somehow don't believe that that means he loves us personally, individually, and in depth. And that to me is the disconnect. Mm. A part of the disconnect for me, Sean, is we quote and we say things like all things work together for my good. But then when things happen that we don't like, then we're it's like, well, God don't love me. 
and I must be out of the will. And I must like it it starts this spiral. And I know you hear this way more than I do, but in the communities that I serve that are mostly faith-based women, it starts this whole trickle-down conversation about why people can't do what they're called to do, why their purpose is not good enough, or what they feel like they are being called to do. They are not the actual people to do it or deliver it because they're not perfect. And they don't have this degree and they don't have this certification and they need to read 19 more books on the subject before they can just do what God called them to do. But at the same time, it's like all things work together for my good, except for 30 out of my last 40 years. How how do we reconcile that? So the, the, th- the work that I'm doing right now is trying to get people to to see this life from this perspective, Okay. There are only two energetic flows. It's either love or fear. Love or fear. And the reason that I say it's not faith or fear, because scripture says love, faith works by love, which means there must be something higher than faith. And it never says God is faith. It says God is love, right? So God is love. So here's part of the issue. Part of the issue is that without intimate connection. So you and I, right? First, we just knew each other on social media. Now we've had some FaceTime conversations, right? So we know each other more in depth, but I don't know you like your best friend does. And in order to be able to trust you like your best friend does and trust your love, I'd have to get to know you more in order to do that, right? So think about it like this. Think about God as being an ocean, right? Think about it as being an ocean. You can be standing on the beach. You can be standing close enough that the waves are sprinkling you a little bit. You can have your feet wet, your ankles wet, up to your knees, up to your waist, up to your chest, up to your neck, up to your head. Or you can be swimming underneath or you can be down exploring. Right. So if we can get people to start with, if I imagine, if I use I'm I'm doing this thing with my clients about activating your imagination, giving your imagination back to the Holy Spirit. Right. Mm -hmm. Because you use it to say it won't work for you. Now, let's give our imagination back to the Holy Spirit. If you see yourself standing at that ocean, where are you? Where are you? And you don't have to beat yourself up for where you are, because first John tells us this. First John four tells us perfect love cast out fear. So I said to my class last night, here's my rule. If I am afraid, it is an invitation to go deeper in love. That's all it means. That's all it means. Doesn't mean I suck. Doesn't mean God doesn't love me. Doesn't mean I'm not qualified. It means that I am invited. I am being invited. When God gives me a vision that's bigger than what I think that I can do, when God is talking to me about where he's calling me, all he's doing is inviting me deeper in his love. Right. And I can gauge fear because this is the place where I think people are dishonest. If there are only two flows, there's the love of flow, the love flow where everything goes back to God and there's the fear flow. Then I would have to begin to be bold enough to begin to say my procrastination is fear. My self-sabotage is fear. My laziness is fear. We keep trying to fix the fruit instead of dealing with the root. First, John says this. It says, Perfect love cast out fear because fear brings torment. Mm-hmm. So for me, it just was like, we're doing all of this work, right? You know this, we're doing mindset work. We're like, girl, you're strong. Girl, you're smart. Girl, you can do it. Then it was just, aha, it's like, oh girl, you don't know he loves you. Mm. 
That's why you're terrified. That's why you think he would give you a dream business and no clients. That's why you think he would send you back to school and you can't pass the class. You don't know he loves you. So where are you standing on the beach? Can we take a few steps forward? Can we can we dive deeper in love? Yeah, so that's my take on it. That's so good. Just this morning in my quiet time, I ended up reading this passage from an Ayala Van Zant book. It was until today. And it was about not putting your toe in the water. And it was it was about allowing yourself when you're supported and you have encouragement from a coach, a mentor, whomever, a family member, but you have support and you have encouragement. Are you willing to put your toe in the water if you're at the edge of the pool and then and give yourself the grace to, okay, tomorrow I'm going to let it get to my knees. And the day after that, I might let it get to my waist. But eventually the goal is to swim. The goal is to experience the freedom and joy that comes with being able to, to dive in and to just swim. And do we trust that? I think she says it's something like, do you trust that the lifeguard is, is faith? Like the lifeguard is there to help you if something happens because Somebody might splash water in your face and you feel like, oh my gosh, I was feeling good, right? It's like Peter walking on water. You was feeling good. And then you like, ah, something shook you. But do you trust that there's still something or that God is there to see you through? Because the the this whole fear of not taking the next best step, and I know you've evolved a lot. I definitely want to talk about your journey as an entrepreneur. It's pastor and then you added entrepreneur, right? Right, right. So I know right. that has been yes. a journey in itself. But it breaks my heart, Sean, to see so many women in particular not not stick their toes in and and live in that space of fear, but then over-spiritualize it. Because what I hear is, I'm not doing it because I'm waiting on the Lord. I'm not doing it because I'm I'm praying for the doves to appear in the sky and the rainbows <laughs> to come at one eleven on on the dot. Like I, I hear all this stuff in it. It's sounds very deep and very spiritual, but what it is, it sounds like is fear and not that acknowledgement that God loves you enough to be there with you. Absolutely. The Bible says God desires truth in the inward parts, right? I have to be willing to tell the truth to get his truth. So until I'm willing to say, God, I see what you said, but the truth of it is I'm terrified. I don't understand how in the world I'm going to get here, why you would have picked me. I feel so inadequate, insecure. There's no exchange to make because I'm over here pretending like, oh, I need to fast one more day. Oh, I need to sow another seed, take another class. No, I'm terrified. And I'm now using religious things in order to justify my delay. So for me, I just simplified everything. And I said, listen, you tell me you got a self-sabotage problem, a lazy problem, whatever. I want to take you to love. I want to take you to this ocean. And I want you to be able to identify where you're standing. And what's been so amazing in my classes is that when I'm asking people to do this, like last night, this girl was like, I'm not even at the water. Mm. I'm not. That's so much better than me saying, hey, sis, you're not at the water. She's like, I'm not even at the water. And then there was this thing, because you you said that you were reading, the you talked about the freedom in, in swimming, right? Mm-hmm. But last night, a girl said, he told me, do I trust him enough to close my eyes and float? Ooh. Because even some of us, we're really good at, oh, I can, I'll swim, I can swim. He's like, no, but 
would you would you lay down out here in the ocean with me? And I believe that what God is doing is that he's inviting us into new realms in him. Ephesians says love has height, width, breadth, and depth. And I believe that what God is desiring to do to manifest the sons of God, which is not a gender, it's a position, that what he's doing is he's saying, all right, Sean, Patrice, I want you to come with me, in me, in a place you've never been before. Mm. So that when I send you out to do whatever I'm telling you to do, you're like, how could I fail? What do you mean? And even if something looks like a failure, it can't be the end because this morning I was floating on the ocean of this love and he whispered to me to go and do this thing. Oh, he's already there. He's with me. And if we would surrender in that and you have a daughter, so I know you know this. Nobody's taught me this more than watching my kids, but especially my girls with their dad. Mm -hmm. When girls know the love of their dad, they just fall back, baby. They fall. He'd be like, fall in my arms. They like. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Right. Yeah. So now what God started to do for me years ago was to say to me, when my kids would be interacting with Edwin, do you trust me like that? Do you know me like that? Literally, he could give them $20 and get to the store and then say, hey, let me get that $20. They like, sure, dad, why? Because they like, if dad borrowed the $20 back he just gave me, he probably gonna give me an extra five for let me use his money. But that he began to use that natural father relationship to say to me, yes, you know how to serve me. Yes, you know how to do church stuff, but do you actually know how much I love you, Sean Strickland? Every other month, I attend a Super Friends brunch where we talk about everything from purpose to pursuing new dreams and even menopause. Yep, you heard me, menopause, because if you're over 40 and your girlfriends don't keep it real, I don't know what to tell you. But we have these important conversations because how can we redefine wealth if we're not keeping up with our hormonal health? Now, we discovered Happy Mammoth. It's the company that created Hormone Harmony, and it's dedicated to making women's lives easier. And that means using only science-backed ingredients that have been proven to work for us. They make no compromise when it comes to quality. Hormone Harmony contains herbal extracts called aptogens that help the body adapt to any stressors like chaotic hormonal changes that happen naturally. And any woman with symptoms of hormonal imbalances can take Hormone Harmony. It's perfect for hot flashes, night sweats, menopause-related brain fog, sleeplessness, occasional bloating and gas. You get the picture. Hormone Harmony can help with all of these things. And for a limited time, you can get 15% off on your entire first order at happymammoth.com by using the code RW at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code RW for 15% off. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes. So doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress. Instead of perfection, you don't have to give up carbs or anything. 
And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mm. Ooh, you're right. I have learned so much through watching Gerald and Reagan's relationship. And initially, if I'm honest, Sean, I was I was conflicted by it early on because I didn't have that. I didn't grow up with that type of relationship with my father. And so I just didn't have a real frame of reference for it. So I was really excited to see him teaching her how to swim or teaching her how to ride a bike or do these things. The little girl in me did feel like, well, how come nobody was there to do that for me? Right? Like I didn't, I couldn't really, like I'm happy for my child. And this is what I always prayed for, that my child would have what I did not have. And it's wonderful to see it, but it also hurts. And I think it was a part of some of the struggles I had early on myself with believing that God loved me as is, flaws and all, for all the imperfections that I could still be used to do something great for him. I need you to hold that thought because I know you're going to give me a word. Give us one, (laughs) one second. I would love to hear your thoughts on that right after this. John is going to come back from the break and we're going to talk more about this revelation that I had around my dad and understanding the love of a father and how that connected to my relationship with my creator. But for those of you who are in the same space where maybe you didn't necessarily have that relationship or that level of affection or validation from your father or from a parental figure, I just wanted to share for story time this week about the restoration that has happened with my father since. I don't go deeply into it in the rest of the episode, but I'm really excited to share that just this year, earlier this year, my siblings and I initiated a conversation with our father around how we were feeling, around this idea that we knew because we were taken care of financially that our father cared, but because we didn't have personal, intimate relationships with him, and we're talking about from, you know, early 30s right up until mid-50s, my siblings and, and I, that there was a barrier there. And with my father turning 80 last year, we really just wanted to be sure that when it was all said and done, we got to say what we really felt and that he would have an opportunity to share with us And the conversation was scary to enter into. 
Uh, there was a lot of nerves, a lot of stomach, <laughs> stomach flipping around, pit sweating, knees knocking, teeth chattering. But when it was all said and done, something really beautiful happened. My dad was able to listen and receive, even at 80 years old, his children and understand a bit of where we were coming from. And we were able to listen with no defenses up about where he was coming from. And what happened was that we actually started to do these monthly family calls where there's no agenda except for enjoying each other and sharing and being present to what's going on in everybody's world since we're spread out all over the country. And for the last several months now, it has been so beautiful to learn more about my dad, to learn about him as a young man and his travels and his adventures and his pet peeves, and for him to learn more about each of us and really just more of our lives. And so I'm getting full. <laughs> I just wanted to share that because I realized how many of us struggle with daddy issues. And I realized how so many of us missed out on that type of validation and assurance from our fathers, our earthly fathers. And so it prohibits us from really accepting and embracing our purpose because there's no validation. There's, you know, it's, you're never good enough. It's, it's just never enough. So we always create these barriers and these challenges from us being able to move forward. Um, but it's possible. It's possible. And I don't know who needed to hear this. It's hard to initiate the conversation. And I know everyone's outcome won't be the outcome that my siblings and I have with our dad right now. But I sure hope that at least one person, one family, because of listening to this today, is willing to initiate that. Because now I believe that when my father's time here is complete or when my time here is complete, there are no regrets. No regrets. I even got a tattoo this year um, on my back. It says one life, no regrets. And even though it was a hard conversation, I don't regret initiating it. And I don't regret, I'll never regret seeing the joy in the peace, in the transformation that's currently taking place in my family. So I hope that blesses someone. So Sean, we were talking about, oh, this revelation that I had probably 12 years ago where I just felt like, you know, I'm excited to see Gerald with Ray, but I'm also sad for the little girl in me that didn't know that I was lovable and how that translated once I really discovered my own relationship with God. And it wasn't about borrowing my mom or my grandma's faith, how I discovered that I was still trying to perform for God and not just be, not just be and know that I was good enough and he loved me as is. What are your thoughts around that? Well, you said this one thing just before we went to commercial, which I just think is an indication of language changing because it's a new wine season, right? So new wine doesn't fit in old wine skins. In church, we've been trained 
that God wants to use us for something, right? Mm -hmm. But what if God actually wants to do something with us? Partnership. Mm. That he's, it's not, Sean, I gave you a purpose. Patrice, I gave you a purpose to use you. No, I gave you a purpose to invite you to partner with me. Doesn't that feel different? Don't those words feel different? Absolutely. Because if if my frame of reference for God is that God wants to use me, okay, then that means God doesn't care if I'm sick. He doesn't care if I'm tired. He doesn't care if I don't make enough money. All he cares about is getting out of me what he put in me. But if, if God is inviting me to do something with him, that literally when he formed me, he said, oh, I'm going to put this in Sean Strickland so she can manifest it and we can do it together. That's a very different framework. And it makes me think about in partnerships, you're not expecting yourself to bring all the strengths, right? The purpose of the partnership is to be met where you are. So you bring your strengths and you do your best to amplify your strengths for the sake of the partnership. But your expectation is your partner has some strengths in the areas where you're weak and you guys can complement one another. I've never looked at it that way. And here's the beautiful thing about God, right? He doesn't have any weaknesses. So all he's going to do is he's going to cover my weaknesses and he's going to amplify my strengths. And he's inviting me. Daniel says, they who know their God will be strong and do great exploits. The, a lot of these visions that we feel so overwhelmed by, he's like, hey, daughter, come do this with me. Not come do this for me. If I'm doing it for him, it's all on me. Come do this with me. And some people may feel like, oh, the words don't matter that much. But we do know that words do matter. Words mean a lot. So if you start to go, this is where the frame of reference I'm in right now. That is like whatever God is asking me to do. He's asking me to do it with me. And more, and sometimes he's just asking me to yield myself so he can do it through me. He's like, I just, if you'll say yes, I got the rest. Will you say yes? And, and I think that that's what makes kingdom. So I want to throw this out for you, this thing I've been saying. I think this is really what makes being a kingdom entrepreneur, a kingdom financier, a kingdom millionaire different than being a Christian one. And so the distinction that I want to make is that if I'm a Christian millionaire, I love Jesus. I want to do the right thing. I want to operate in integrity. I use the principles. I treat people right. But I see this as God blessing the works of my hands, right? But if I'm a kingdom millionaire, everything I have is his. And really, I look like the CEO to you, but I'm not. He's the CEO. I just work for him. I don't actually own any of this. So it's all his responsibility. It's all, So if he, if he says, so X amount of dollars, you're like, okay, because you're the boss, right? And I think, I just feel like there's this big shift coming where God is inviting us into something else, the next level. Mm. This next level of knowing him, which is going to produce for kingdom people, it's going to make you so much more fruitful than you ever were. Mm-hmm. You like all I say, I say this, I am working, I'm not working near as hard as I was when I before I got this revelation. Mm. 
I was working so hard. I wasn't making near the money. I was like stressed out. And then I got this revelation. And sometimes I'm like, I'm not even sure how you did this. How did you do this? How did you pull this off? Mm-hmm. But it is the, um, and so which then leads me to this principle right here that ties into law, that I believe the first principle in the kingdom that we rarely hear about is the law of complete surrender. Mm. Have I given him all of me? And wherever I'm being tormented, wherever I think I have the responsibility, wherever I think it's all on me, there's a good chance I haven't given him all of me. Now to circle back to you and your dad and your daughter and her dad, my kids and their dad, right? My boys who literally are in college were moved into their apartment. He went down there to move them in. The apartment wasn't ready. He stays, whatever, right? So my 20-year-old son calls my husband on a Saturday and goes, I don't know how to change a alarm, a smoke alarm. I don't know how to change it. He's FaceTiming his dad at 20. Like, tell me how to do it because I've never done it before because you always did it, right? And I'm thinking that's a dependence that I didn't get to have. I'd have just figured it out. I'd have just been up there. My son's like, why in the world would I be out here trying to figure it out when I know my daddy knows? Mm. I took that. I took that. <laughs> he, my, my son is taller than his father now. But he like, if my daddy knows how to do it, if my daddy has the answer, why in the world would I be out here trying to do this the hard way? I'm just going to ask my daddy. So for everyone who has a business and he said, to you, you're going to be a millionaire, you're going to impact all of these people, right? Why don't we just say, well, how will we do that, dad? How? I, I don't know how to do that. I've never done that before. I just think it's, I think there's a beautiful shift. And I think that what's going to happen is that those of us who will ride that ocean wave, we're going to look back, look up two years from now. We're going to make way more money than we've ever made, impact way more people than we've ever impacted. Skin go be better. Edges go be better. Body go be better because we're just going to be like, what do you want me to do? Oh, that's what you want me to do. Okay, cool. Let's go. Yeah, I so agree with that shift. And I love I love that the picture of that because I see Reagan that way as well. I grew up in figure it out, figure it out, make it happen. Right. Which also taught me to not ask for help or not lean on support. My daughter, no shortage of questions. She don't care. Maybe she doesn't care. She, she don't have, those kids don't have any of those issues. They like, listen, I don't care. Listen. For what? She's like, that's my daddy. Yeah. For what? Why would I do that? My mom is, my mom is right here. Why would I do that? Why would I do that? Yeah. Oh my gosh. That is so good. It's funny that you brought up that first that first law being about surrender, complete surrender as well. Because in 2017, that was my word, was surrender. What will my life look like if, if I surrendered, if I stopped trying to force and manipulate how things ended, right? Just the control of like, oh, it must look this way. It must go this way. And I just allowed things to unfold, allow God to do, do whatever you're going to do. I'm here. Like use me. Redefining wealth was born out of that. Mm -hmm. Redefining wealth was born out of that year of God. I completely surrender. I shut everything down. All of the old products, all of the old programs, the whole website came down and just reemerged with this is what God has had on my heart. And this is what I'm feeling led to do. And these last four and a half years, Sean, have been the best of my career. 
the most freedom I've ever experienced, completely restored. So I was doing well before this, but I was still in bondage to you must be America's money maven. You've built this brand, right? And there was a season for that, but I was hostage to this identity or to this label that I had, that I had to just be this finance expert and I couldn't talk about other things. If I've tried to bring up other things to TV producers or radio producers, they'd be like, ah, but we really just want you to talk about budgets. We really just feel like you should focus on savings. Could you not mention your faith so much? Um, Could you... And I was in a box with that. And on the outside, people were like, oh my gosh, I see you on everything. You're here, you're there, you're all the places. But really, I felt like I'm not living up to the fullness of what I feel like I've been called to do. And when I surrendered and stopped trying to like fight in 2017, it felt like redefining wealth dropped in my lap. It felt like divine download one after another of God, like, go here, do this. You're going to do this. I wasn't planning on starting a podcast. Girl, I was trying to leave radio at the time. I definitely wasn't trying to pick up more work in terms of like starting my own podcast. But I felt like God said go and I did it in three weeks. And here we are four years later. And it's been the absolute best thing that could have ever happened. But it all started with that surrendering. That's so beautiful. I was thinking, you know, Soul Shift was birthed in 2017. And like, and I'm not a number person, so I don't know anything, but somebody out there probably like knows what the year 2017 meant. But that's when I feel like he was like, because this is the way I choose to see it. There was nothing wrong with what we were doing before. Mm -mm. What we were doing before was needed, not just for them, for us, Mm -hmm. for us. And then he said, Come here. Let me show you something else. Come here. No, no, no. That's not it. I know you think that's it. No, come here. Come in this room. Open this door. Let me see this other thing. And then you go in the door and you go, oh my God, all this stuff is in here. I don't know. It's just, I don't know. I just, it's so much easier over here. It is. It's it's been beautiful, honestly. It's been beautiful. Not not completely easy and definitely have had to grow into some new mindsets and embracing just new thoughts and new ideas. But I want to hear really about your journey. So you were a pastor first and your husband, Edwin, is, you guys are co-pastors, right? Yes. And then you birthed Soul Shift in 2017. Were you already doing entrepreneurial things? I know you were doing kind of entrepreneurial stuff before then, right? Yes. So how did you add this dynamic and what what was the feedback from people? Because I know sometimes when you're in this faith-based space, you know, people have opinions about what you mean you a coach and clients and you charging people and all that. How did you navigate all of that? So it's pretty interesting. Just a God journey. So one of our favorite scriptures is Romans 12 and 2, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So early on, one of my frustrations was watching people go to church and not change. So I've always been very curious, like, like why don't people know how to change? So I ended up doing this work called Live Your Dreams. That was my first work, which was really about God saying to me, tell women I still have dreams for them. Tell the moms, tell the wives, I still have dreams for them, right? Back when I started doing that, like in 2009, you couldn't find a product that said, live your dreams. Every one of them we made, 
right? And then it was like it got released in the earth realm, right? So I know that God was saying that that was like, he was like, I want women to know I still care about their dreams, right? From there, what would happen is that I began to notice that there was a a disparity in black and white women. So for example, if a white woman hired me, she would almost always pay my fee in full. If a black woman hired me, she didn't, which then led me to do research, which is when I found out about the economic inequality. And I was like, whoa, wait a minute. So then it was like, wait a minute, this isn't just that we don't manage well, we've got an inequality. So then I went hard with black women build wealth, right? Which is really, and here's the God moment in that. Dr. Ann Mercer invited me to preach at her conference, Save Girls Rock. And I'm typically a person who has like three messages that are running in my head. And I don't know which one I'm going to preach, right? I sit down in the chair like 15 minutes before it's time to get for me to get up. And he says, the Holy Spirit says, forget all that stuff you wrote. I want you to talk about the inequality of wealth, black women, whatever. I'm like, no, this is a church conference, right? Like, but okay, I work for you. So fine. So I get up and I start to talk about all the stuff that I learned and people are screaming. They're like, oh, my God, this is it. This is it. This is it. And that was the thing that really started me traveling. It was the thing that opened the door for me to speak for Dr. Dee Dee Freeman, places like that, because I really kind of went on a tour after that. People were like, come to my church and talk about this. So then I wrote the book and then that book went out and sold a lot of, you know, e-copies of that book, The Black Women's Guide to a Wealthy Mindset. From the beginning, I said, I'm not a budget girl because I believe if you fix your mindset, the Holy Ghost will help you with your budget. You'll know which investor you should work with. You will know where you should be. And so that work was really the place where I see that he was opening soul shift and I didn't realize it, right? Because this is this is what I used to say. I don't care how you put the money in the envelopes. If the reason that you give money to your sister is because you feel guilty because you graduated college and she didn't, those envelopes don't mean jack. We've got to deal with why you're willing to take the money out of the envelope, right? It was there. So then from there, the first soul shift was born. When I did the first soul shift, literally, Patrice, I, I felt like God asked me to do him a favor. Will you teach this class for me? I was like, yes, I had all of this other stuff ready to roll out, right? I'm teaching the class. It was a four-week class. In the second week, I go, yeah, I think we're going to be here for a minute. I get it that that was an invitation to a setup. You think you want to do all of this other stuff, but what you really want to do is help women learn to shift their souls. Mm-hmm. And Christian women need something different than just regular women do because we don't participate in shifts that Jesus isn't involved in. Mm. So it's the reason that it's the reason personal development was so hard for so many Christian women. Because if you take us in a space and people start talking about the universe and crystals and stuff, we like, um, because I all I know is Jesus. So it was this opportunity to take the principles, put them back in the word and say, yes, they're doing this information, but they got these things from the kingdom. You don't have to abandon Jesus to shift. In fact, the shift is his idea. And that's how soul shift was birthed. Wow. 
So, so for you as an entrepreneur though, was it difficult? Did you ever go through a season where people tried to shame you for being a coach or being this person in personal development that wasn't necessarily just church? Oh yeah, because you know, everything is the devil if it's not church, right? So I definitely went through that, that season where people didn't understand, you know, now you know this to be true. Now everybody's a coach or into coaching. But when we started this work, we were long ranges out here. People literally were like, do you still love Jesus? Like, do you, are you with Jesus? I'm like, wait, but that was because of how people sat around. That's what happens when the kingdom lets someone hijack what belongs to God. Mm. Personal development, that's the process of sanctification. It's God's idea first. But when we don't do it and someone else goes out and does it, then when it's when it's time to introduce it to us, we're like, wait, what is that? I don't know that. What page of the hymnal is that on? What scripture is that, right? And so, yeah, I went through a, a, a crazy period of time where people were like questioning me. I got uninvited from stuff, all kind of crazy stuff. But it was so, I was so sure that part of this was at least my contribution to the missing piece of this for women that I just sucked it up. I mean, I it, back then it seemed like the worst thing in the world to have all of these people attacking me and talking about whether I love Jesus or not. On the other side of it, now I'm so glad I went through it because what it taught me how to do was one, circle back, sink into the love of God. Mm. Number two, Press into him when I want to be sure. Like, did you really say this? What does this look like for me, right? And really to get my identity from him and not from other people, not from their stages, not from who was shouting me out. It really broke things in me that I didn't know needed to be broken. And and, and that's John 15. This is what he says. He says, look, Everything in you that's not fruitful, that's what it says about Jesus. You're in Jesus. Everything that's in you that's not fruitful, I'm going to cut it off. And everything that's in you that's fruitful, I'm going to cut it so it'll be more fruitful. So you know what that tells you? Get used to being cut. He's either cutting away or cutting so you can be more fruitful. I didn't know how dependent I was on people approving until they didn't approve. And then God was like, so do you trust them? Or do you trust me? And I think that's probably nobody in life who's called of God and has said yes, doesn't have a moment where God is like, yeah, I know the crowd said that. This is what I'm saying. And you get to decide whether you trust him or you trust the crowd. So I'm glad I, I'm glad I picked him. Yeah. For me, that's where obedience, like a commitment to obedience showed up. Yes. Like, am I only going to be obedient when it looks favorable, you know, to the masses or it looks good to other people who feel like they should have an opinion? Or am I going to do what God asked me to do when he asked me? And that was a big thing for me last year. That was my my theme. What will my life look like if every time I felt like I heard from the Holy Spirit, I did it without reservation and without this straddling the fence and looking for, you know, all the signs in the sky? Like, what if I just did it? And, oh my gosh, the freedom that came from obedience. But people struggle with obedience because they don't know love. 
how can I trust you to obey you when I don't know you love me? That's the circle for me, right? Yes, we need to obey God, right? But you and I, we've had all these off-camera conversations, right? And the thing I know, we're growing in it. No one's arrived, right? Mm -hmm. But obedience is non-negotiable also because we know the Father loves us. Not as much as we're going to know next year, but we know the Father loves us. If you take somebody who has never encountered his love, never encountered Jesus, and you're like, obey, it's like, wait a minute, I've always had to take care of myself. What do you mean? Can I really trust that God's going to come through for me like this? That's the part where I love when you said that's the surrender. It's the will I will I let you prove that you are who you say you are? That's so good. And I think people of faith who might be more mature, a little bit further like a little bit further down, I'm I'm far off, but, but further down the process, it gives you so much more compassion for for younger people in the faith because we do throw these things around, and we all have a different background, a different story, these experiences that do make it hard to see that this is possible for us too. It's not that you make a choice to put your faith in God and now all of a sudden all these things click. It's a process. It's a process. It's a a daily choice and there are new levels to it and new revelations as you keep saying yes. <laughs> like as you keep saying like okay, God use me. I want to like am I am I in alignment? Am I doing what I should be doing? There's something new being revealed every time. Isn't that the beauty of it though? It's like I don't have to know it all. Mm-hmm. I I don't maybe out here, right? Before in the world I had to know it all. I had to be the smart. I don't have to do that here. All I have to do is do what you tell me to do. Mm. And it seems, and I remember my spiritual mother's apostle, Cynthia Brace, and I remember for years, she'd be talking to me about like, just believe God, just believe God. And we've talked about how that she just had a much deeper revelation of the love of God than I did, right? But I remember this moment where it clicks for me what it means when she says to just believe God. That all she's really saying is just trust his love for you. And I call her and I'm like, I get it. She's laughing. And I'm like, I get it. She was saying, just trust his love. Like I've been married 27 years now. I trust Ellen so much more than I did 27 years ago because he's demonstrated his love. I could not have had that experience without walking with him. That's the point. Yes, you have gifts and callings and you're amazing and you're wonderful, right? But the only way to get to trust Abba is to walk with him, not just to do stuff for him, which is the reason that people who stick with this, you know what I'm saying? When we're 70, we're going to be doing a podcast and people are going to be stressed out. We're going to be like, girl, the Lord got you. Oh, <laughs> girl, the Lord go. The Lord go make a way. It's already worked out. They take a nap, right? Why? Because you have all of this history with God and no one can get history with God for you, but you. Yeah. So all of the invitations, the visions, the things he's showing us, they're invitations. He's saying, come get to know me. The prize isn't the money. The prize isn't being on the stage. The prize is that you got to know him while he was doing that for you. Cause it changes everything. Mm, That's so good. Oh, that's so good. Oh, Sean, before I let you go, 
let me ask you these redefining wealth rapid wisdom questions. Okay, okay, okay. I'm ready. <laughs> Here's the first one. How do you define success? Doing the will of God. How do you define wealth in three words or less? Freedom. Freedom. That's my word. Freedom. I love it. Okay. While we're here, I want you to, to talk real quick about Live Free. Is Live Free your latest book? How many books do you have, Sean? Oh, my goodness. Just three. Just, Just three. three? Okay. Tell us, though, real quick about Live Free, the eight steps to creating freedom in every area of life. Because I wanted to get to the book, but we got into so many other juicy conversations. So you just said freedom is how you define wealth. How do you define freedom in the book? Why that book title? Freedom is such a big thing for my life. I don't want to be in bondage. I don't want people to be in bondage. And for me, the only way to get out of bondage is to get into God, like in him, to know him. That, that That's the circle for me, right? So live free with like, what can you do in every situation? Like, I think number one is make a decision. Like nothing changes until you make a decision. You've got to decide. You've got to cut off the other options, right? And so I tried to take all of the issues that people have ever talked to me about and say, but what steps could we apply to everything? Well, if you haven't made a decision, it doesn't matter, right? I think one of the steps is to, you know, put yourself in an environment of where you're going. So like, if I don't want to be an alcoholic anymore, I should stop going to the bar. Like that's not super spiritual. That's just the practical implications. If I was getting drunk at the bar Monday through Friday, and I don't want to do that, don't go to the bar, right? And so it's really just about what choices can I make? What do I need to think? And what do I need to do every day? That's going to bring me into greater levels of freedom. Mm. Okay, I love it. So we'll make sure that we link to the book so you guys can grab a copy. Here's you can another... only grab an e-copy, e-copy, sorry. That's fine. That's fine. We read e-books. <laughs> okay, here's the next one. What's one book that has helped you redefine wealth for yourself? One book that has helped me redefine wealth for myself. I'm such a reader, so many. Um, it's, a, it's not a book about wealth, though. It's by Fred Price. I've got it here. <laughs> Faith, foolishness, or presumption. Mm. Probably nothing has changed my mind about wealth, what I have the right to expect more than this book of knowing whether I'm actually in faith or I'm in foolishness or presumption. So that mm. would pro- that shifted everything. It, it shifted the foundation, if that makes sense. So then the information on top made more sense. That's oh, it. So good. Okay, great. And the last one, you're going to fill in the blank. So you're, you're going to say, my name is, and the truth about wealth is. My name is Sean Strickland. And the truth about wealth is that it is the will of God for all of us. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being here, Sean. That flew by. I, I had like so many other things I wanted to ask you. I had all your your good Facebook quotes. All of my Facebook saves are pretty much Sean Strickland uh, posts that I want to come back to later. So, you know, you're a whole rock star, right? So like when you comment on my stuff, I'm like, look who showed up. Look who commented on my post today. This is why you can't invite people you know in real life on your podcast because see how they behave. No, I, you can like my post. I can be excited that you said something. I'm like, oh, Patrice. She said, because number one, I know you're not out here commenting on everybody's stuff. So I'm like, if I got you to comment, 
I'm feeling myself. I'm like, you know, well, Jay-Z dirt off my shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> well, comment or not, you bless me all the time. And then worst case, I know I'm going to get a good chuckle because you don't come to play. So I will make sure that I link to your social media so y'all can get some of this goodness for yourselves. Thank you so much for being here, Sean. I appreciate you so much. And for everyone else, you can catch us in the Redefining Wealth free Facebook community. Come on over, discuss what your big takeaways and ahas were from this episode. And until next week, I want you to go live your life's purpose, find fulfillment and earn more without ever chasing money. Talk to you later. This week's Ask Patrice Anything comes from Allison Feliciano in Dallas, Georgia. Hi, Patrice. This is Allison Feliciano. So my question is, how do I organize? I have a book. I know that it was God-given. I have the bones of it. I have the name of it. I have the idea around it. But I also want to take from the book to the stage, like to a one-woman show. How did you organize yourself for your first book? Hey there, Allison. First of all, hello, long time no see. Yes, I remember you, old friend. So I love this question. It really speaks to vision in general, right? So whether it's a book or anything that's on your heart, it seems like you're asking about steps and the process. And I truly, truly understand where you're coming from. When I think about my first book, I understand getting caught up in that bigger vision. So a lot of times when we do get a download and we can see something, we are so committed to this bigger idea. That's the very thing that tends to overwhelm us and keep us from doing anything. I would say break down whatever you see into smaller bite-sized pieces. Right now, it's not really about how to make this something you take to the stage. The first thing is like, write the book. If you have an outline for it, start filling it in. Get those chapters done. And I believe that as you go along the process, God will continue to reveal things to you. So you'll be introduced to resources. You'll be introduced to new relationships. And you'll start to have more and more revelation about what to do next so you can take your next best step. But don't get so caught up in the bigger picture of how am I going to go from what I know I can do logically, tangibly, in this season, in this space right now to that bigger thing because all that does is overwhelm you. And this is a season where wherever it is, you know, you want to birth in the marketplace, you want to birth out there. It's really about taking baby steps. Baby steps pave the way to amazing results, but we have to be willing to take the baby steps, put blinders on, and honestly, sometimes not even focus on what's way over there. I say all the time, and I learned this from Lisa Nichols, I'm committed to the vision, not attached to how I get there. So I believe that my steps are leading me in that direction, but I'm not going to overwhelm myself with all the, well, how am I going to get there? What do I need to do? What's every little detail? What's every little step? Who do I need? It's like, ask better questions. Ask one question. What time can I block right now to just get the book written? That's the only thing you're responsible for. I truly believe in the idea of doing all I can do and then standing and allowing God to support me and what I need to do next. Because if that's the vision that he placed on my heart, all of the fine details in between 
it's on him. It's not on me. It's not on you. It's on him. I couldn't have told you when I wrote my first book and released it in 2012 that almost 10 years later, I would be here. No way I could have told you that I would end up with a podcast with 10 million downloads and all of the national television and all of the brand partnerships and hundreds of women being served through my coaching programs. I did not know that. Only thing I knew to do was take the blog post that I had from 2010 to 2012 and start shaping them into becoming Real Money Answers College Life and Beyond, which was my very first book. So don't be consumed with where is it all going? Because even what you see in terms of you being on the stage, that might shift. It might morph. It might evolve into something even greater than you can even imagine right now. So just get the book written. I hope that helps. Listen, if you have a question, please submit it, patricewashington.com forward slash ask Patrice. And hopefully I'll be answering your questions soon here on the Redefining Wealth podcast. I hope that you took a lot away from Sean Strickland. I absolutely love and adore this woman. Every time I do get a chance to talk to her on FaceTime, whoo, it's something. <laughs> it's something. Our conversations are amazing. And I'm so glad that you got a sneak peek into some of it today. Listen, don't forget, uh, the issue is not whether God can, it's whether you believe he will. It could be a faith thing, but it also could be a love thing. And I think it's such a brilliant way um, to look at our relationships with God and with the people we're called to serve. So I hope you enjoyed. Make sure you pass this on to other people that you believe will get a nugget or two from it. Until next time, I want you to go live your life's purpose, find fulfillment, and earn more without ever chasing money. Talk to you later. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.